our study of David through 1st and 2nd Samuel, we skip the chapter, 2nd Samuel chapter 7. This is one of those dog-eared pages in the Old Testament. Here's the story. Israel is at peace. David is powerful. He's just built his beautiful house in the capital city of Jerusalem. Perhaps sitting one day in that house, he has a thought. What's wrong with this picture? God has given us the land. He's made us as numerous as the sand of the sea. He's put me on the throne and blessed me immensely. I'm sitting in this gorgeous cedar-paneled home. And God? He's out in the country in that tent in the middle of nowhere. David calls in his spiritual advisor, Nathan, and explains to him, Nate, I want to build God a really special house up the street. Something spectacular, like our spectacular God. Nathan thinks it's a great idea, till he goes home that night and God speaks to him. Hey Nate, you're supposed to speak for me, and this is what I want you to go back and tell David. Nathan goes back to David the next day and says, David, a word of the Lord, thanks for thinking about me, but I'm going to pass on you building me a house. First of all, I've been represented by that tent for mm, 500 years, and nobody's ever heard me complain. The universe is my home. Furthermore, David, you're a warrior. You have blood on your hands. I'm the God of the living. I don't really want my house constructed by a man with blood under his fingernails, but thanks again. Then God through Nathan says something incredible. God makes an unconditional promise to David. David, I promise to provide a place for my people Israel where they will not be oppressed or disturbed any longer. That's God's promise of a special land. Okay, David thinks, that's pretty cool. That's kind of what we got right now. Then God continues, David, your son will succeed you as king. Yeah, well that's better. That didn't happen with Saul, so David's pretty stoked about that. God continues, that son of yours, he'll be a man of peace. He'll build a splendid house for my name. If you're a dad, you know how cool it is to think your dreams will be fulfilled by your son or daughter. But then God's words through the prophet Nathan weighed way out into the deep end. I will establish your son's kingdom. I will build a house out of you. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Oh my, forever is a long, long time. David goes into a special tent in Jerusalem he'd pitched for God, and his knees buckle. He has one question and one favor to ask. The question is, God, who am I that you would do these things for me? He didn't understand it all, but he knew God had promised Abraham that someone coming from his line would bless all people on earth. He knew from Jacob's blessing over his son Judah that a king would come out of his line, someone with a scepter. Now God identifies David as the Lion of Judah through whom that king would come, the one who would bless all nations. His line would be carrying the stomper. But what David could not wrap his arms around was God's phrase, I will establish the throne of this king's kingdom forever. All David could do was sit there, stunned in silence before God, and whisper, Gracious God, please do that and bless my family. With that statement, David joins Moses and Abraham on the Mount Rushmore of the Old Testament. David offered to build God a special house, and God promised David he would build a house out of David, a dynasty that would last forever. From this time forward, 
people would be looking for someone to come from the line of that shepherd musician from the town of Bethlehem and the tribe of Judah, who would bring peace to Israel, bless all nations, and rule forever. I asked my students before we leave the story of David, what do you think it was about David that made God call him a man after my own heart? I mean, seriously, wouldn't you like to know what that was and maybe desire to model that in your own life? I'm going to prime your pump with a couple of ideas from his story. How about this one? He was willing to wait on God's timing, not work the angles for his own benefit. Imagine being anointed as a teenager and waiting 12 to 15 years on the run as a fugitive from Saul, refusing to assassinate Saul and waiting for God to install him as king. That's pretty special. Maybe it was his teachability, like with Abigail. Imagine making a vow in front of your 400 men, only to be stopped in your tracks by a woman who appeals to your common sense, and then not only to cancel your mission, but to bless the woman for stepping in and keeping you from doing something stupid. Teachability, that's pretty amazing. How about humility? Clearly we saw in the Bathsheba incident and in his taking of the census that David was capable of being despicable. Yet when he's confronted with the facts, he owns his sin, he runs to God for forgiveness, and he knows how to live in that forgiveness of a merciful God. That's pretty amazing. How about the Ziklag incident, where he returns home with his men to find his city burned and their families taken? His men are ready to stone him, and what does he do? He runs to God for strength. Or perhaps it was his passion for God. Talk about loving the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Picture his undignified leaping and singing and dancing before the Ark of God as it was paraded into Jerusalem. There's one more we missed, but it might be my favorite. At the end of 2 Samuel, David's mighty men are being accounted for, are being celebrated. The writer gives an incident where David, hiding in the wilderness, starts to muse about how much he misses the water from his hometown. Bethlehem, he muses out loud, Oh, what I wouldn't give for some of that water from the well by the gate. Three of his men go to Bethlehem, which was held by the enemy, break through the ranks, draw water from the well, and bring it back to David. They give it to him as a gift. David's suspicious. Where did you get this water, guys? Where'd you get this water? I want to know. They smile and say, From the well at Bethlehem. Enjoy it, boss. David looked at them in the canteen and then held it up and poured it out before the Lord. David knew, there's just some things too precious to be consumed on yourself. Only one person deserved a sacrificial gift like that. Wow. Humility, waiting on God, passion, going to God for strength, teachability, and knowing there's one God and it's not us. No wonder God loved this man. We started David's story telling you he was a shepherd and a musician, so it shouldn't surprise us this talented, passionate, artistic musician wrote a number of songs with staying power. They made Israel's Top 150. Israel's Top 150 songs are compiled under the heading in your Bible, the Psalms. David, we believe, wrote approximately half of these songs. We'll find in these songs, Waiting on God drawing our strength from him, humility and reaching out for his forgiveness, passion and knowing our place. We'll see David's heart spilled out in these songs, these psalm songs, in our next word picture.